The following is a production of the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Welcome back to UFHL Now. I'm your host, Kyle Hall. And I know we missed last week because of the holiday, but man, did we miss a lot. 11 trades went down this past week in the league, which we'll get into further on with Mr. Insider Larry Fisher. But before we do that, we also had some big changes in the standings, which we'll take a look at now. In our top 10 standings, we have uh, the top five remains the same, but the bottom five is where we see the shakeup. The Stingrays jump up to the number six spot, with the Ice Vikings also jumping up to the seventh spot. Kamikaze takes a drop from the six all the way down to the eight. And then you see Red Army sneak into the top 10 with the Yeti falling down to number 11. It is a battle for that 10th spot. You have a ton of teams right on the outside there. Uh, but the Titans, Royals, uh, West Coast Express, Grizzlies, and Rock Republic continue to stay in their top five spots. Uh, the Titans have a 128-point lead on the Royals still uh, holding on the first place. but. You take a look at some of these standings here. You have uh, Ice Vikings, 500, uh, 508 points away from the Rock Republic there. I'm sorry, from the Stingrays there. Uh, from, I'm sorry, from first place. Uh, within 100 points behind the Stingrays now. Uh, Kamikaze, again, right behind the Ice Vikings. Gators, right behind them. I mean, it is a tight group there uh, from 6 through 10. Top 5 looks really solid, but, you know, again, the Grizzlies right behind West Coast Express. Just two points behind them to jump into the number three spot. Uh, it's going to be a close battle here towards the end to bring home the regular season title. Uh, the Titans, though, have a pretty good lead as these teams now jockey for playoff position going forward. Um, you know, Red Army had a very good week this week to sneak in there. I, I believe they're just one or two points ahead of uh, the Yeti to sneak into that top 10. Uh, but, you know, after two weeks uh, away from the show, it, a lot of changes have happened. But Let's now take a look at who's hot this last week. Uh, we have six players this week on our who's hot list. Uh, it was a lot of very good contenders, but we want to start off first with our uh, couple guys from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews of Blades of Steel, uh, 30.78 fantasy points in his last four games. Four goals, five assists, and nine points. Toronto had a big week. Uh, we'll go into someone who's not hot because of Toronto. Uh, but them and the Red Wings basically played a football game uh, of a final score this last week, which a lot of guys got a lot of points in. And his teammate also makes the list this week as well. Mitch Marner, uh, again, it's exact same points that uh, that Austin Matthews put up with four goals and five assists and nine points, 29.62 fancy points in the last four games. The Stingrays forward Mitch Marner, who uh, TSN came out today and said he was the most underrated player in hockey. I can't believe TSN, a uh, show based uh, in Toronto area, uh, to say that he's the most underrated player in hockey is tough to say, but Mitch Marner is having a good year. I wouldn't say he's the most underrated player. I think there's a guy in Florida uh, named Huberto who might be the most underrated player in hockey that no one really talks about that much, who's also leading the league of points. But having said that, very good week for the two Toronto superstars as, uh, as the playoff picture for the NHL is taking shape, but also the Stingrays. Battling for that, you know, battling the top 10. Uh, need to see that at Mitch Marner. So good week for them. Uh, our third member of these who's hot list is JT Miller of the Gators. 
Just saw him firsthand take on the New York Rangers last night. I mean, guy just destroys the Rangers every time he plays them, but uh, 29.75 fantasy points in his last three games. Two goals, six assists, and eight points for the Gators forward. Uh, I think the biggest question is, will JT stick in Vancouver, or is he a guy who will be on the move at the NHL trade deadline? The Gators, though, have to be loving the production they're getting at JT. And if he does move, obviously, it'll be to a situation which might be better than Vancouver. But right now, uh, the Gators forward is rolling right along uh, and having a big year for them. Next up on the Who's Hot list, I mean, this guy can be here every single week. Kale McCarr, uh, 21.59 fantasy points uh, in the last four games for the Titans defenseman. Uh, he didn't score a goal this week, but he had six assists. Uh, pretty solid for a defenseman. But, uh, I mean, McCarr right now seems to be the front runner for the Norris Trophy. Um, and at night in, night out, he gives the Titans a huge effort. And, uh, I mean, you can say right now he's obviously probably the best defenseman in hockey, along with Adam Fox, Roman Yossi. Uh, you know, those are the guys who will be at the end. But right now, I think McCarr has the inside track on the Norris Trophy uh, from the year that he's putting up. Talking about the Norris Trophy, let's talk about another player who was a previously winner of that award. Brett Burns, uh, 19.44 points in his last four games. One goal, five assists, and six points for the veteran. Uh, the Battle Hawks defenseman. Uh, the Sharks are a sneaky good team. To, uh, I mean, they're fun to watch, uh, but I think they're going to end up being sellers here, obviously, at the end as they start to fall back in the playoff race. But, uh, you know, is Burns a guy who possibly gets moved to a contender? Who knows? But, uh, you know, obviously a guy who's had a tremendous career, uh, still getting it done. You know, six points, like I said, for any defenseman in a week is, um, is a very good week. So uh, the Battle Hawks have to be thrilled with their veteran defenseman putting up those numbers. And our last member of the Who's Hot, Freddie Anderson, 22.7 fantasy points in the last three games, 3-0 with a 1.30 goals allowed, uh, a 9.56 percentage for the Crypto Knights goaltender. I mean, he is rolling in Carolina. The Hurricanes are rolling. I think they've won five or six straight in a row. Uh, they're probably the team to beat in the East right now, and, uh, and Freddie Anderson's a huge reason for that, playing great in goal. Crypto Knights have to love the year he's uh, putting up right now. Um, yeah, I don't want to say he's the Vesna favorite. I think my guy Igor Shosturkin is, but he is definitely right there uh, in that top three, top four goalies that have been uh, producing so well this year. But big week from Freddie Anderson, big week for the Canes overall. Uh, the Kryptonites got to love his production. Now let's look at the who's not hot this week. Again, some of these names on this list we've seen before, and I feel bad about it, but we got to start off with a guy who we have not seen yet, Evan Bouchard. The Edmonton Oilers defenseman, just 1.96 fantasy points in the last three games. Zero goals, zero assists, minus two rating. Um, you know, Edmonton is starting to turn it around maybe a little bit. I don't know. It's kind of holding on to that last playoff spot. I, don't, I think they're in the last playoff spot now. Uh, but the Grizzlies, unfortunately, a uh, rough week for the defenseman. You, know, you would love to see him get a couple assists there uh, by just basically leaving the puck for McDavid or Drysaw behind the net. Um, so tough week there for the Grizzlies defenseman. Uh, next on the list, we have Max Domi of the Red Army. Uh, just 1.84 fantasy points in the last four games. 0.0 assists, minus two rating. Uh, Domi's name is something that's come up in trade talks as well. Uh, you know, will the Blue Jackets move on from Domi? Uh, a guy who kind of, I feel like his potential was never met. Um, but we'll see what a lot of teams are scouting the, the Blue Jackets right now. It seems like he's the name that could be moved. So we'll see if he gets sent anywhere. Uh, maybe that'll be good for the Red Army, seeing him in another uniform in the NHL, maybe get his uh, production going, but uh, not a great week uh, for Max Domi. And then next on the list, we have 
James Van Riemsdyk, the uh, Gators forward, which I think we'll get into some Gators talk later on about possibly uh, moving some guys here closer to the deadline, but uh, only 0.2 fantasy points in the last three games. Not very good. Uh, the Flyers have not been very good. Uh, zero goals, zero assists, and a nice minus five plus minus rating this last week. Uh, that is not what you want to see if you were the Gators uh, out of James Van Riemsdyk. And obviously, like I said, the Flyers have just been playing awful. Um, you know, their season's pretty much over there in Philadelphia. So uh, Van Riemsdyk, you know, unfortunately, is his play is obviously suffering because of that. But it, it's a rough go in Philadelphia. I'm sure the Gators uh, just hate to see that out of their, their forward here who, um, you know, historically is a very good player. But, um, you know, he's not been uh, not been too great of late. Uh, next on the list, uh, we have uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. And now he only played two games this week. But you go minus six in two games, you're going to end up on the who's not list. Uh, only point two three points in the two games he did play. The West Coast Express forward. Uh, I said it with the Toronto. They Toronto and Detroit basically played a football game. I think Detroit put. I mean, um, Toronto put up eleven goals on them in that game. Might have been more. I think last time I saw it was ten to seven. Uh, I think it's more more points scored against the uh, the Red Wings than a, than uh, it was against the Lions this year in some games. So uh, it was a rough outing there for the uh, for the Red Wings and a rough outing for Tyler Bertuzzi. And minus six rating in two games, not great. Uh, but overall, you know, the West Coast Express forward has had a pretty good year this year. Um, just not a very good showing in these last two games. And then next up on the list, we have goaltender Philip Grubauer. Uh, we have two goalies that we added this week. Now, these aren't terrible weeks, but these are two players who uh, you'd want more from. So Philip Grubauer, only 6.1 fantasy points in the last three games. Went 0-2-1 this week with a 3-4-2 goals allowed, an 8-9-8 save percentage. Uh, you know, the Brutes goaltender, you got to think if he maybe uh, thinks back and maybe hopes that he stayed with the abs instead of going over to Seattle and exploring that. Um, you know, not the year that he expected. I'm sure the Brutes were hoping for more out of, the, out of Grubauer, but, uh, you know, a rough week. It's been a rough year for Seattle overall and for him. Uh, I'm sure they, I'm sure looking back on it, he probably regrets the whole Colorado situation, but. Um, you know, obviously uh, not with a brute torn to see how their star goaltender. And next up on the list, I got to apologize to the Grizzlies. I think we pick on Connor Hellebuck a little, little bit. He went five, five fantasy points in the last three games. He went 0-2-1, a 3-6-6 goals allowed. He did have a 9-0-1 save percentage, which is not awful. But, you know, you can't give up three goals, um, 3.66 goals allowed and go 0-2-1 and, and not think you end up on the who's not list. For a guy who's a former Vezina Trophy winner, you expect a lot of the Grizzlies forward, uh, uh, Grizzlies goaltender. Uh, so to do a guy, I apologize. I do feel like we pick on Hollowbuck a lot, but uh, you know he does not having a good year. And obviously, Winnipeg is probably shifting to be more of sellers at the deadline. Not saying Hollowbuck's going anywhere, uh, but his year might uh, get even worse if you start seeing talent around him start to leave Winnipeg, and uh, you see more American hockey guys probably in the NHL level for the Jets towards the end of the year here. Now let's take a look around uh, around the league. So we will not get into the 11 trades that happened because we're going to go over that with Larry. But first off, I want to talk about the players of the week. Uh, so this week, the players of the week came in uh, with forward Austin Matthews, kind of a no-brainer monster week for him uh, in Blades of Steel. Like I said, 30.78 fantasy points. You know, he's going to be right there for the hard trophy. Probably the best shot in hockey. Um, just so much fun to watch. Kill McCarr, 
went over him again, the Titans defenseman. Um, probably going to win the Norris Trophy this year. 21.59 fantasy points. You can basically put those two guys on a who's hot list every single week. And then James Reimer gets the nod as the goaltender of the week. So we talk about one Brutes goaltender that was not playing well. Here's a guy who is playing well, James Reimer. Uh, the Sharks goaltender, uh, 23.10 fantasy points this week. So the Brutes do get some goaltending help there from Reimer uh, with uh, Grubauer struggling. But they got a pretty good duo there between those two. That's not bad. And hopefully they both get rolling. Obviously, that'll be helpful for the Brutes uh, going forward. But uh, congratulations to them, to, to all those teams who had their players of the week. And now let's bring in Mr. Insider, Larry Fisher. Uh, we got to talk about all these trades, Larry. It was a busy week. We missed one week and all hell broke loose and every team decided to trade. No one made a move during the All-Star break, uh, which we could have used some show uh, some show filler there. But, you know, we missed a week and we get hurt. We get burned by, by the league and the owners and uh, they start making moves. Yeah, a lot, lot busier uh, leading up to March 1st in the UFHL than in the NHL. Uh, like I said, 11 yeah. trades. Uh, going back to that, you know, coming out of the all-star break with the, with the week off there, uh, you know, heading into the all-star break, I said the, the two, the two franchises in the UFHL that I sort of put on the trade watch, keep an eye on, uh, the Stingrays and the Yetis and, and to no surprise, uh, they made me look good uh, to some extent, I guess, because they both did make major moves, uh, since we, we last had a, a UFHL now show and, uh, the, the, Stingrays, again, they wanted to, they're taking a run this year. They know they're going to have some cap trouble in the offseason, but they want to go for it this year. As you mentioned, they were in eighth. Now they're up to sixth. They're within like, you know, 25 points of fifth place all of a sudden. So uh, the Stingrays are on the rise and and they went out and brought in uh, their ringer of sorts, Taylor Hall, uh, acquiring Taylor Hall from the Crypto Knights. Uh, And when you look at the package that the the Crypto Knights got in return Dominic Tony Nato who's actually since that trade happened on February 12th he's been producing for Winnipeg uh Helge Granz who's a really interesting uh Swedish defense prospect for the Los Angeles Kings they have a lot of defense prospects as we've seen guys like Sean Dursey make it to the NHL uh Jordan Spence is having a great AHL year but Helge Granz as a teenager playing in the AHL because he's Swedish he can play in the AHL as a teenager and he's having a, a great rookie pro season in North America so keep an eye on him as a an underrated prospect as well as, and probably the key to that deal. Uh, and then the, the Stingrays gave up both their draft picks uh, in 2022 and this year's uh, UFHL entry auction, first and second round picks. Uh, right now that pick would start bidding at around 23. They'd be bidding on the 23rd overall draft spot. But of course the Stingrays are still climbing in the standings and uh, it could get uh, closer to uh, 30th overall as far as our 28th overall, as far as uh, where that bidding would start. But uh Interesting trade here because uh, husband and wife hooking up. Obviously, the the Stingrays are owned and and managed by Arlo Schultz, and and his wife Sharice Schultz owns the the Kryptonites franchise. But she does have a higher GM and Dan Nadeau, and and it was Dan and Arlo that negotiated this deal. And and I got talking with uh, Dan because when I first saw the trade, I thought you know, Granz is a okay prospect. I, I to be honest, I didn't realize he was putting up as many points as he was in the AHL, but I thought he was sort of a a B-level prospect, even though he went uh, 35th overall in that 2020 draft, which is looking like a, a really strong draft class in hindsight. But I thought, you know, as the key piece and in, in including a, a later first-round pick, it didn't seem like a great return for Taylor Hall. But then you look at what Taylor Hall fetched the, the New Jersey Devils uh, at the trade deadline, coming off uh, an MVP season in the NHL when his stock <laughs> couldn't be higher, and, and the return looked much the same. They didn't get a a great return for Taylor Hall either. So both in the real world and the fantasy world, he doesn't demand a lot of 
value. And, and I did reach out to Dan Nadeau and he was uh, kind enough to share some of the off the record, other offers he had. And uh, to be honest, this was the, the best offer for Taylor Hall. He could have sat on him and waited it out. We're, we're three weeks from the trade deadline today, Kyle. So we're going to see more action over the next three weeks. Uh, perhaps he could have held on to Hall a little longer and seen if somebody else had an injury, maybe a better offer would have came. But uh, as of February 12th, when the deal went down, uh, that's the, as good as the Kryptonites could do for Hall. And, and they're actually, Dan is quite happy with their turn. Uh, the Kryptonites now have three first round picks in 2022. And, and they like Helge Granz as a, a key defense prospect going forward for their franchise. I think with Taylor Hall too, is you saw some production issues in Buffalo and probably not having the best, biggest year that Buffalo, uh, that sorry, that uh, Boston would expect that they're signing the contract extension. Um, so I think, uh, like you said, I, I don't know what the market would have been if they would have held out another three weeks, if we would have gotten better. But, um, you know, I think probably the value right there is kind of what you would probably see for him um, just because of what the production has been this year or lack thereof and, and him kind of getting shuffled around that. Bruins line up a little bit um, and not really sticking to it. And he's been kind of shuffling up the second and third line there. Um, you know, the top line already set. So uh, yeah, when a deal came out, you see his name out and you see a heart trophy, you know, get moved. It always kind of, you know, you kind of perk up a little bit, but uh, when you look at his numbers, like a guy like Barkley Goodrow, I think has more goals in him this year. When you look at the free agent signings from last year, um, you know, kind of see the production that guys had. So uh, I think it's a good move for the Stingrays. Obviously we said they're climbing up the, Playing up the standings, they have another uh, player that they want to push into the roster this year by trading out some assets for, you know, for the future. But uh, we might have to do a little bit of internal investigation on the Schultz family there. Make sure there's no funny business going down the dinner table. You know, I, that's the other concern I think we got to talk about too. And maybe you know, you got to check to make sure these trades are above board here. Yeah, we always do uh, due diligence to make sure there's no <laughs> collusion. Whenever there's a, a family dynamic involved in a trade, we do look into it. And that was part of it. And he said. Well, here's what here's what I was working with. Here's what the other deals were. But to be honest, there was no negative <laughs> feedback about that trade. So I think, like you said, when people seen it, they they equated it to a uh, real world value for Taylor Hall based on what he went from New Jersey to Arizona for. And and he has heated up a bit since the trade. Uh, he's been playing a little bit with David Pasternak at times. They seem to have a connection. And part of the reason the Stingrays have went from eighth to sixth is adding that that boost from Taylor Hall, who who has helped them, but. Like I said, the, the Stingrays are, are almost in win now or all in mode for this season because they face a cap crunch this offseason. Uh, your guy Adam Fox, as well as Zach Wierenski, two defensemen going from uh, less than a million dollars to 9.5 million. So you can do the math, Kyle, but uh, crunch, a quick look showed the, the Stingrays projected to be 15 million over the cap uh, when those contracts kick in in the offseason. So uh, they're all in now, Arlo Schultz, uh, making a run for not only for the, the President's Trophy in the regular season, which, as you showed in the top 10 there, they're, they're quite a ways back to be catching the Titans, but certainly uh, to be loading up for a, a run in the Klein Cup playoffs and adding another playoff-bound player. Boston's going to obviously make some noise in the playoffs, likely, and getting Taylor Hall could be good for the Stingrays playoff run, and then they hope to capitalize on that because they're going to have to shed some, some salary uh, come the offseason. Yeah, so another team who made a couple moves. By the way, this is why Larry's the best. Mr. Insider tells us three weeks ago, watch for Stingrays and Yetis to make moves. Sure enough, Stingrays and Yeti both making moves. Now, the Yeti, you know, we've seen the Stingrays go up in the, up in the standings since we last talked. They're now seeing the sixth spot. Now, the Yeti, who I believe was in the sixth spot a couple weeks ago, have fallen all the way down to 11, kind of going the other way with it. Uh, but I love their two moves they made. They brought in some big-time roster additions. 
They did. And, uh, you know, prior to the season, Kyle, we did the preseason power rankings. The Yetis actually received the most first place votes for the UFHL uh, preseason power rankings. Uh, they ended up third when they averaged out, but they had the most first place votes. Uh, Scott Lowater really liked this roster that he built for the Yetis. He was very confident and obviously led by Connor McDavid. Uh, and, and so as the season played out, you know, uh, Scott being in, in fantasy leagues with him for, uh, I guess, 20 years now, he's always been a, a bit of a, a wheeler and dealer, a bit of a trigger happy GM. But this is the most patient I've ever seen Scott Lowater with the group. He really <laughs> believed in this group and, and they're really letting them down. They really are. When you look at that roster, uh, it's it's pretty hard and they've been fairly healthy. I mean, they've had some injuries, but not a lot. They don't have that next man up, which we always talk about in the UFHL. So important to to be able to have guys from from your minor system come on up and, and fill those holes and maximize your games played. That's one area where they lack. But generally speaking, they haven't even had a lot of injury trouble uh, relative to the the rest of the franchises uh, in the top 10 or throughout the standings. They've been fairly healthy. It's just been underachieving. And at some point, Water was going to shake things up. And then the Yetis fight their two moves coming out of the All-Star break leading up to March 1st. Uh, and the first move they made, Kyle, was a, a, a homecoming for Brock Besser. Uh, they actually traded Brock Besser away uh, back in October, uh, just at the start of the season. Uh, and at that time, they traded Brock Besser away uh, in order to land Tristan Jari. Uh, they also got Anthony Beauvillier, Tyson Jost, and Barrett Hayton in that blockbuster and, and had given up uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. But they actually gave up Blackwood, Besser, and Doc in that deal. So uh, with the Tornadoes, and now the Tornadoes are sending back Besser and Doc uh, in exchange for Sean Couturier. And to be honest, Scott Lowarder was shopping Couturier because he's out for the rest of this season. He just had back surgery. And uh, Sean Couturier has a big contract kicking in next season as well. He goes from uh, 4.43 or 4.33 million to 7.775 million uh, next season, and that's the start of an eight-year extension for Sean Couturier. Obviously, the Flyers are rebuilding, expecting Claude Giroux to be traded, among others. Uh, so, you know, Sean Couturier likely going to be the face of that franchise going forward. And for the Tornadoes, they really hope he gets healthy, taking a chance on a guy that uh, hits all the categories in the UFHL. You know, he gets uh, he gets his points, but he also gets his hits. He gets his his blocks, he gets, you know, he he touches every category in the UFHL as a real all-purpose player. Uh, and and for the Yetis, though, I mean, to bring in, to to shed a big contract like that or shed some cap space like that for the future is a, a cap management move going forward. But for the present, to uh, to to be able to part with a guy that should be on LTIR or is, is out long-term, uh, to bring in a producer like Brock Besser, who could be traded before the deadline. Lots of talk about JT Miller, but Brock Besser's name's out there as well as Connor Garland in Vancouver. But to bring in a guy like Brock Besser, uh, another volume shooter who's going to be pro any production is better than no production. And Brock Besser, certainly a, a nice return for Sean Couturier, especially when you get a, a future thrown in uh, Colton Dock, who's Kirby's younger brother playing here in the WHL in Kelowna in my backyard. But uh, a nice trade for for the Yetis in the present and 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 possibly for the, the Tornadoes in the future if Sean Couturier can return to form and and earn that eight-year extension as kind of the go-to guy. in in uh, he should be to Philadelphia what uh, Ryan O'Reilly is to St. Louis going forward. So uh, a quality addition for the Tornadoes as well. And then the second move that uh, the the Yetis made, their other big splash was Charlie McAvoy from the Bentley Jacks. And we know the Bentley Jacks, they, you know, they're always responsible for half the trades when there's a big bundle like this. And we'll hear <laughs> lots about the Bentley Jacks. But the Yetis uh, acquiring Charlie McAvoy in exchange for Matt Dumba, Cross Hannes, who's uh, another prospect in the WHL with Portland uh, and the Yetis uh, 2023 first round pick. Everybody knows how good that draft's going to be next year in 2023. 
Uh, but the Eddies, like I said, they're in win now mode as well. And, and they're actually, you mentioned it, Kyle, they're less than a point. They're 0.13 points uh, behind Red Army for 10th place. And they're only about 50 points out of, uh, I believe, 8th place. So, I mean, they're, they're right there still. Uh, they get hot for a couple weeks. Uh, even, you know, when, when there's a full slate, often you see the Yetis towards the top of the leaderboard. They get a couple of those big nights where they're 50-plus points in a night, and, and they can close that gap really fast. So I wouldn't rule out the Yetis taking a run even at the top five still. Uh, but certainly uh, acquiring a guy like Charlie McAvoy, another guy who has a big contract extension coming next year, another one of those $9.5 million defensemen. Uh, Dumba's only got one year left at $6 million. He'll probably get a raise as well. But again, an injured player, Dumba currently hurt for an active player in Charlie McAvoy. If you bring in Besser and McAvoy as active players, and you're sending out Couturier and Dumba as guys that are on the IR, uh, certainly the Yetis are looking to have a, a big week going forward uh, into next week. You can say the Yetis are going for it, obviously, based off those moves, but color me shocked. We have Bentley Jacks making more and more trades as they do weekly. Uh, it seems like every week they're making some kind of a trade, and they did not stop here. They turned a blockbuster around as well, uh, and a couple other further trades too. Yeah, as, as we know, Brandon Kopp's uh, probably the busiest GM in the UFHL, the most active. He's <laughs> always got uh, a bunch of irons in the fire, and he's never afraid to shake things up. Even just today, Kyle. Uh, blew me away on the trade block Darcy Kemper Darcy Kemper having a great season in Colorado you know how good Colorado is heading into the the playoffs how you know he's going to be such a key guy for uh the Bentley Jacks obviously an expansion franchise they're they're in good shape for making the playoffs or 120 ish points up on the Brutes for the the final playoff spot in the Legends Conference which is a tremendous accomplishment for a, an expansion franchise but still they're looking more to the future now and, and saying they might they might consider selling on a guy like Darcy Kemper, who's a pending UFA, likely going to get a, a a decent raise next year as well, among other guys. But Philip Forsberg, speaking of pending UFAs, uh, is on the move from the Bentley Jacks to the West Coast Express. That was their other big blockbuster uh, over this past two weeks. And as you can see, it, it is a big blockbuster. Four players out, six players in. Uh, and, and you can break it down. I mean, the key pieces are, are at the top. Philip Forsberg, obviously, uh, going to the, the West Coast Express. You saw how close West Coast Express and Grizzlies are in the standings. Uh, West Coast Express would still like to, in all honesty, take a run at, at the Royals, maybe even at the Titans. You know, they're one of the, the top producing te- uh, franchises to start 2022 from January to now. West Coast Express is, is right at the top, despite Tyler Bertuzzi having the bad week. Uh, Philip Forsberg is a guy, Kyle, who, uh, He's actually been really consistent this season. He's been a big part of why mm-hmm. Nashville's uh, in the playoff race. But historically, Philip Forsberg starts playing in January. His first few months of the season, October, November, December, he's usually uh, you know, just warming up. And then that second half, he's always among the NHL leading scorers in the second half of the season. And certainly West Coast Express factored that in. And he's playing for a big contract too, right? He's a pending UFA. If, if Nashville's not going to give him uh, Roman Josie's $9 million, somebody else probably will. Uh, maybe even get him into that $10 million range if he makes it to the open market in the summer. So he's playing for a contract and, and West Coast Express sense that. Uh, in return, the Bentley Jacks got a real nice package. Uh, Peyton Krebs, obviously a top 20 NHL draft pick, uh, going to be a big part of Buffalo's future. He's already playing for the Sabres. Uh, two more seasons as an as a under $1 million entry-level contract. So you're losing a potential $10 million player, getting back a $1 million as the key piece in return. Uh, as far as cap management goes, that's a, a great piece for the Bentley Jacks. And then they also get two volume shooters in uh, Mike Hoffman and Frank Vetrano, who could heat up at any time, right? Those guys shoot the puck so much that eventually it's going to start going in. And if it does, 
Uh, they're going to they're gonna start racking up uh, a lot of goals and a lot of fantasy points for the Bentley Jacks. They actually get a bit deeper there, although Matthew Highmore uh, certainly has been productive. Uh, and that's actually a cool part of this trade too, Kyle, is the, the West Coast Express, as you can see from their logo, big Vancouver Canucks fans inspired by that West Coast Express line of uh, Marcus Naslin, Todd Bertuzzi, and Brendan Morrison back in the, the 90s. But they, have, uh, they now have a full Canucks line. Uh, and not the line you would expect. They got Matthew Highmore, Tyler Mott, and Yuha <laughs> Lamico. And that line, surprisingly, has been very productive for, for both the Vancouver Canucks and West Coast Express over these last couple months. So they get Highmore to complete the line with Mott and Lamico. And that just speaks to the depth of the UFHL. Uh, most of your home leagues, probably Highmore, Mott, and Lamico are all three on the waiver wire. They're all three free agents. Well, here they're playing key roles as a, essentially a third, fourth line for West Coast Express. But uh, also, like I said, the, the rest of that trade there, you got, uh, three 25 year old guys. Uh, all three of them will be 25 for next season and Jansen Harkins, Noah Jolson and Jack Aiken. And, uh, all three still have decent NHL upside to become NHL regulars. But when you're really looking at it, it's Philip Forsberg for Peyton Krebs. And then the Bentley Jacks hoping that Hoffman and, uh, and Vetrano heat up, uh, at the deadline. Maybe they even are guys that get traded. We know Mike Hoffman's a bit of a suitcase. He could get traded again. And, uh, and certainly, uh, uh, you know, Frank Vetrano hasn't had a great year in Florida, so maybe he gets moved as well at the deadline. Uh, maybe the insider will hit on a couple NHL trades there, but uh, uh, those <laughs> two guys could heat up for Bentley Jacks uh, going forward and, and keep them in the playoff picture for sure. And Forsberg's a guy to watch too now in trade, trade talks because it seems like uh, Nashville does want to give him the extension and uh, they can obviously need to want to return for him of some sort. They don't want to just lose him. So uh, he could be a, a – he's – could possibly be the top name on the trade block by the end of this week, depending on uh, what thing, how things shake out in the NHL level. But uh, yeah, Bentley Jacks, man, they, they, not a week goes by without seeing their name pop up on the trade block. Like you said, and uh, they make it, they make it some interesting big moves. They don't just make like one for one trades. They do like 10 for 10. Uh, you know, they're, they're always big on the blockbuster, but uh, another, another trade that I thought was interesting this week was the, um, between the battle Hawks and the, uh, eliminators was uh alexander holtz on the move yeah this is the if you're going down the list of 11 trades this is where it's sort of the the big five and this one rounds it out and there was a bidding war for alexander holtz there were several franchises uh interested and the return uh to me was a bit interesting i know some people reached out saying it was uh more quantity than quality that when you look at alexander holtz as a potential patrick line type you know uh, expected to be Jack Hughes's wingman uh, next starting next season, potential 50 goal guy in the NHL on a, an entry level contract for a few seasons under a million dollars. A lot of people expected that return to be massive in terms of uh, uh, value back as far as the name value that you'd see guys coming back that were big names for for the Battle Hawks. And personally, I was surprised they were willing to move Alexander Holtz. Uh, I thought they were building around their friends and now Cider Lucas Reichel as well. Alexander to the future but you really look at that Battlehawks roster and it's sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place because uh Mick Fortoni and Serge Bouchan and then Alessandro uh you know they're looking at that roster you got guys like Drew Doughty Brent Burns Sergey Bobrovsky John Tavares guys that are sort of you know getting into that later back end of their prime and they want to make a run with those guys and, and again they're stuck in that Gretzky division in that playoff race for that Allen conference those two spots with 16 sort of battle six franchises battling it out. So uh, what they really wanted was, was some depth. They, they've had a lot of injuries on the battle Hawks and with an eye on the present, they really wanted depth and they, they did manage that. Although Tanner Pearson 
for Scott Lawton, I would say is probably a, a fair trade-off. Pearson's having a great year. Lawton's having a good year as well. Uh, Galchenyuk and Bukestad as sort of your depth forwards to, to replace some injury depth. Uh, you get Casey to Smith, who's who's been, I think he's won his last two starts, probably an upgrade on Martin Jones with the way things are going in Philly. And I guess the key coming back is uh, Yegor Chinikov, uh, who is, uh, uh, you know, kind of mocked as a first-round pick off the board, very surprising by Columbus. But hey, he's already playing in the NHL. He's got 11 points, six goals as a rookie. Uh, a guy who is kind of a volume shooter like Holtz, but obviously not the, the, a lethal sniper like Holtz, but uh, gets his share of shots and, and can certainly score. So uh, Chinnikov, a little bit older, uh, you know, a couple of years older than Holtz, but he's sort of the key prospect back. Uh, and then you get Ponomarev, who's sort of a B-level prospect and, and a second-round pick, which will produce another B-level prospect. But when you look at the deal as a whole, uh, for the Eliminators, you got to love it as far as uh, Alexander Holtz being a, a, a real building block for them. They need some of those young guys. They're not going to make the playoffs this season, and they're in a tough Lemieux division trying to you know, unseat the Yetis, the Ice Vikings, and the Stingrays going forward. Well, a guy like Alexander Holtz helps them take a, a big step forward. They actually just hired a, a general manager in the last two weeks as well. Uh, uh, Tal has joined their franchise, so that's exciting for the Eliminators. And I think this trade was a, a step in the right direction for them. And for the Battlehawks, uh, again, they, they want to make the playoffs this season. They want to have depth going into the playoffs down the stretch. Uh, they accomplished that with this trade, getting a uh, even if you want to call it quantity for quality, they get the, the depth that they were looking for. And certainly the Eliminators get the best player in the trade in Alexander Holtz. Yeah, very interesting deal. A lot of names going back and forth. Uh, but I was surprised to see Holtz get moved, uh, especially with uh, the future that you know Jersey has for him and everything else. A um, couple more trades we'll touch on. Uh, Jordan Stahl on the move. Um, Warriors, the Godfathers trade there. Um, obviously he's a veteran player, uh, helps them down the stretch run going forward. Yeah, you nailed it, Kyle. Uh, Godfathers, uh, that's the, the tightest playoff race is the Godfathers and the Stallions. Uh, the Stallion Godfathers were ahead, uh, for the, for a month or so throughout January. And now the Stallions have forged ahead, uh, by about 30, 40 points, uh, in the last, in these last couple of weeks. So the Godfathers making a bit of a reactionary move, bit of a, an upgrade towards the, the trade deadline. Jordan Stahl, obviously. Veteran player on that Carolina team. Again, you're acquiring a guy that's going to be in the playoffs, in the Klein Cup playoffs as well, uh, in exchange for a guy like Colin White, who uh, scored in his season debut coming back from injury, but he's more of a future player. Ottawa won't be in the playoffs this season. So like the move for the Godfathers, hoping that uh, Jer Jordan Stahl gives them uh, the boost they need to get ahead of the Stallions. And that'll be interesting, Kyle. Do the Stallions now make a, a counter move, you know, uh, it's always interesting when somebody moves early in the arms race with three weeks to go to the trade deadline. Do the Stallions, uh, you know, do they make a move for a veteran guy to try and stay ahead? They got a guy like Anze Kopitar, who obviously wants to lead them to the playoffs, but the Stallions made moves last offseason. They were a playoff franchise last season as, a, as the second wild card snuck in uh, as the, the lowest seed in the in the Allen Conference. And they're in that same position this season. They're, they're the lowest seed in the Allen Conference as of today. But they made a move in the offseason, Kyle, to trade Matthew Kachuk for Quinton Byfield as their big blockbuster in the offseason to really start to turn their direction towards the future. They also have guys like Dylan Cousins, Anton Lundell, uh, as mentioned, Byfield. So the Stallions have some real studs for the future. Uh, I don't think they want to move any of those three for, for, a, for a rental or a guy like Taylor Hall or anything like that. I think they're happy. Uh, battling it out and I think that the Godfathers you know they got guys like Carter Hart finally won a game again the other night they hope he does better <laughs> Miro Heiskanen could pick it up 
Miro Heiss getting to pick it up. They have your guy, uh, Chris Kreider. They hope he continues to be in the, the goal scoring, the, the Rocket Richard race. They have Miko Rantanen. So they got some firepower. But it, between the, the Stallions and, and the Godfathers, I think there's like 30 or 40 points there. And that's really the, the number one playoff race for the final spot in the Allen Conference. The other one, as we mentioned, was the, the Bentley Jacks are about 120 points up on the Brutes. But if the Bentley Jacks start selling and move out a guy like Kemper and and move out some of the, you know, that Mikhail Granlin was on their trade block today. If they move some of those guys out, don't count out the, the Brutes because Sidney Crosby, Rupe Hintz, uh, Zach Hyman, they got some guys that are picking up the pace too for the Brutes. So 120 points isn't a, an insurmountable lead uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm sure the Brutes were happy to see the Bentley Jacks announce that they might go into seller's mode and look to the future. But as far as the Godfathers and the Stallions go, that's the, the real race. And again, you got Battlehawks, Red Army, Can West Generals. Uh, those five franchises are battling for two spots and there's less than 200 points between all five of them. So it's going to be a, a real race to the finish in that uh, Gretzky division, as well as the Allen conference. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. To, and you see the position now with all these trades, you know, people, I love it. I like teams going for it earlier. Why wait three weeks then have less, you know, less of a production from someone. Um, another trade, which I, I think was an interesting trade was Jeff Petrie in the move. Uh, a guy who, Obviously not playing with his potential this year, but someone who I think can make an impact if he starts to turn it around or possibly gets dealt here. Uh, but it seems like Montreal, you know, I'm not going to say they make the playoffs, but they're playing much better at Marty St. Louis. And maybe that's, it could get Petrie's game going a little bit. Yeah, Donnie Talk, the, the owner and general manager of the Kamikaze, is a Montreal Canadiens fan, and he's had success with the buy-low candidates. Uh, he acquired Vladimir Tarasenko in the offseason for uh, a package of Rasmus Anderson, who's a quality defenseman. Uh, but William Carrier and I believe a second round pick was the, the rest of that package for Vladimir Tarasenko and now looking to do it again with uh, Jeff Petrie. And the one thing is here, Kyle, that I caught my eye is everybody talks about how bad Milan Lucic's contract is and how he was going to be a buyout candidate. Well, Luch only has one more season left at six million. He's actually found a role under Daryl Sutter. He's been a productive player, certainly in the UFHL with hits and fights and penalty minutes. Uh, he hits all those categories. He's been a quality. Uh, when you look at fantasy points per game, he's sort of held his own. I don't know if he's earning $6 million, but he's been a uh, an efficient uh, quality pl- producer for, for Kamikaze to date. And the funny thing is, is the Kamikaze are the, the Broad Street bullies of the UFHL. And here they are trading away two tough guys, Lucic and McDermott. I was going to say, they're, they're uh, getting a little weaker here. Yeah, in exchange for Petrie and, and A little Mammon. softer, and a little softer by them. <laughs> Who knows what the future holds for Mammon, but certainly Jeff Petrie, you look at his contract, he's got a big contract, three years left at 6.25 million. So that's a big contract to take on when you look, you only had one more year of Lucic, uh, could have moved him as a rental next year at the deadline when he's in his final season. Uh, and, and, you know, he's not going to get 6 million again. So taking on those extra three years of, or extra two years, I guess, of of Petrie at 6.25, Donnie Talk is really, and Kamikaze are really gambling that, He's going to rebound much like Vladimir Tarasenko has, has done for them. And uh, another buy low candidate, because last year at this time, if we're talking about Jeff Petrie, uh, that package would have been a lot bigger than Lucic and McDermott because Petrie was having a, a career year with Shea Weber and then Montreal's yeah. on their way to the finals. And like I said, they're starting to turn it around under Marty St. Louis, but I do think you're right too. I think uh, not only is Ben Sherratt's name out there, but you're starting to hear Jeff Petrie a lot out of Montreal as well. And if they go to full rebuild, I think it makes sense both for 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 team and for player for Petrie to move on and and uh, continue his career elsewhere as well. I think it's a good candidate, like you said, a buy low, you know, a buy low candidate. I think I think he's a good uh, a good risk to take. I would say 
you know, based off of his career rec- career track record. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe they, Marty's got the whole team going up there and he has a good finish of the year or he gets moved to contender and starts, you know, playing uh, with, you know, a better top four and a better top six forwards and get some more points here towards the end of the year. Um, quickly, we'll touch on a couple more here. Uh, Isaac Ludstrom gets traded twice within a day, pretty much. Uh, he gets moved around and Brendan Smith also on the move again. Uh, he was a recent acquired uh, player too for, um, uh, for Kamikaze. Yeah. No surprise that, uh, the Bentley Jackson Kamikaze are, are among the, the franchises that are doing the wheeling and dealing in these 10 trades, but certainly, uh, Kamikaze put Isaac Lindstrom on the block and, and managed to acquire a couple prospects in return. Uh, and the reason Kamikaze did this move is, is to free up roster spots for, they have some prospects that are really pushing up uh, to, to the active roster. Uh, obviously, we know Matthew Boldy, uh, he's a point per game guy in Minnesota. He's having a great rookie season. If he was up all year, he might be the Calder favorite right now. Uh, but Matthew Boldy, uh, guys like Connor McMichael, uh, guys like, I mean, Jack Quinn's been hurt, but assuming Buffalo uh, makes some moves at the trade deadline, moves out some veterans. I assume you'll see Jack Quinn up with uh, Kamikaze and Buffalo down the stretch uh, run as well. So more so just creating roster spots. And, and for the Bentley as we always say, don't keep your don't unpack your bags or, or keep your bags packed because they turn <laughs> around and flip Isaac Lundestrom uh, to Strong Island in exchange for Pavel Zaka, Jack Johnson, and a second round pick. So uh, the the second part of that trade, uh, when you look at it from Bentley Jacks, you know they turn two prospects into uh, and Brett Kulak goes the other way in that second trade, but uh, they turn two prospects into obviously Brennan Smith and Jack Johnson on the blue line. And they get Pavel Zaka and a second round pick up front uh, in exchange for two prospects and Brett Kulak. So a nice little bit of handiwork there by, by Brennan Pop and the Bentley Jacks again to really improve their depth for the present. And with uh, Strong Island, I know talking to, to uh, Terry Weber, their, their owner and general manager, and, and especially uh, their assistant GM, Richard Phillips, Isaac Lundestrom was somebody that was really on their radar. When, as soon as Donnie Talk put him up, they inquired, uh, but the Bentley Jacks beat them to him and, and he went to the Bentley Jacks. So they, they just uh, knocked the next door down and uh, the Bentley Jacks opened up and, and they were open for business as Brennan Kopp always is. And, and next thing you know, Isaac Lennestrom, like said, in a matter of uh, 48 hours or whatever it was, was on his way to Strong Island. But they like him as a guy that's a couple years younger than Pavel Zaka. And actually, they have identical stat lines this season, Kyle. They both have 12 goals and 24 points. Uh, Zaka has been in the league, I think, a few years longer than Lundestrom. So Lundestrom having a bit of a breakout and, and, and Zaka maybe not taking off the way people expected, maybe starting to stagnate a little bit in Strong Island's mind. But certainly Brennan Kopp still sees the upside of Pavel Zaka, who was a, obviously a top 10 pick. Uh, uh, it feels like a decade ago now, but a, a number of years ago, he was a top 10 pick. And they still see that potential for him, like I said, as New Jersey starts to trend up as a team overall in the, the years to come. Yeah, and actually, Zach is a guy whose name has now been floated on the trade uh, trade block too. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see if he gets moved. Like you said, New Jersey's kind of building for that future, uh, if, if he's a part of it or not. But um, uh, another one, a one for one trade from our uh, friend over at Duckman's Dynasty with Kamikaze. Kamikaze was very busy this week. Uh, obviously, there uh, as they climb up and down the rank ratings here, uh, rank, uh, standings here, uh, they're trying to get better and better here. But little look to the future. Look to the future, you're right, and, and and opening up another roster spot on defense with Joel Edmondson. And talk about uh, Montreal Canadiens on the move. Uh, they acquire Jeff Petrie. <laughs> they trade away Joel Edmondson. They, uh, and in that last deal, it was the Bentley Jacks trading away Brett Kulak. So you can say three of the six uh, Montreal Canadiens defensemen uh, 
on the move in the UFHL this season. But here, uh, again, you look at Duckman's domination, really building from the the back end out, right? And, and you look at the defense core that Dean Millard has assembled there. Uh, obviously acquired Dougie Hamilton and Colton Pareko in the offseason, TJ Brody and Travis Hamanick. Now you bring in uh, uh, Joel Edmondson. You also have Oscar Clefbaum on LTIR. There hasn't been much talk about him making a return to the NHL, but if he's healthy by chance for next season, maybe you get Oscar Clefbaum back in there. And you talk about that as a top six. That's pretty impressive. They still have Philip Broberg and Pierre-Olivier Joseph just got called up to Pittsburgh. He's been producing in the AHL. So uh, a promising future on the back end. Uh, guys in their prime for Duckmans that can, because Duckmans doesn't want to be a bottom feeder next season. They've made that clear. They traded away their 2023 uh, first round pick. And of course, if that's in the bottom five, that's going to be bidding on uh, on Connor Bedard and Matt B. Mishkov. And they said, no, we're not going to be in the bottom five next season. We're going for the playoffs where, you know, we're trying to trend up and, you look at the defense core, that's where it starts for Duckmans. They still need some work in goal and some work uh, at forward, but uh, their defense is uh, looking like, uh, I'd say, above average when you look across the UFHL. Duckmans probably has an above average defense. And, and for Kamikaze, as mentioned, clearing space, uh, uh, the list of young players pushing up. Uh, even next year, you got guys like Hayden Gooley, uh, another Montreal defender. Uh, Kamikaze would like to make room for, assuming he's in Montreal with the Canadians next season. Victor Soderstrom, uh, they have a number of guys uh, up and down the, the depth chart. A guy like Yusuf Valimaki won't be waiver exempt next season anymore. So uh, they need room for Soderstrom, Valimaki, maybe Caden Gooley. So uh, out go guys like Brendan Smith, out go guys like, uh, uh, you know, uh, now uh, most recently Joel Edmondson. But they're, they're making moves for the future to, to really uh, manage their 50 contracts and make sure they have uh, guys that, uh, spots available for their young guys when, when they prove their uh, UFHL ready. Last but not least, trade number 11. Uh, Crypto Knights and Mystics trade some prospects here. Um, to be honest with you, I don't know much about these guys. Uh, anything, anything of value here for us, Larry? Yeah, we grinded our way through all 11 trades, Kyle, and uh, uh, very interesting in all the trades, including this last one, uh, prospect swap. Uh, it's actually two Euler prospects, two Edmonton prospects, uh, Raphael Lavoie and Dmitry Samarukov. Both, I would say, are, you know, high, high B-level prospects. They're not, uh, they were both, you know, second, third round picks, but they're both trending well. Uh, and also both potential trade bait for Edmonton at, leading up to the trade deadline, because certainly they want to bring in a goaltender and bring in some, maybe another shutdown defenseman. So you could see Samarukov and Lavoie on the move, both in the NHL and the UFHL. Uh, as for Rafkin and Steenberg, uh, again, it's kind of just to balance that trade out, right? So Rafkin is a Finnish defenseman who's trending somewhat similar to Samarukov, that type of kind of shutdown uh, with some offensive upside. Uh, and then Lavoie and Steenberg as well, both kind of volume shooters. Steenberg's having a bit of a, or Steinberg's having a bit of a, a breakout season in college. He's leading Cornell in scoring in the NCAA. Uh, and Lavoie obviously has been hot hand lately in the AHL starting to score for for Bakersfield. So uh, it seems like a really fair value as, uh, either as a one for one or as a two for two, because as you see here, Kyle, uh, Lavoie and Samarukov were traded between the franchises, the Mystics and the Kryptonites, and uh, Rafkin and Steenberger were traded between their affiliated scouts. But we put them together uh, as a two for two trade, which is essentially what it amounts to. But uh, a very fair trade, but one of those trades, Kyle, that's going to be fun to track and see if, if any of these four prospects really pop in the the next two to three seasons, and then we'll know who won this trade uh, to be determined. All right. Breathe, Larry. We're good. Uh, 11 trades down. So much action. Uh, I'm, 
this last month, this next couple of weeks, I'm sure will be fun seeing some teams move some last minute moves. Uh, it seems like uh, teams are more uh, welcoming to the trade values that they're seeing out there. I know, you know, the the owners that and GMs we talked to a couple once a couple weeks ago said the values were just too high on players. Seems like some values are coming down, or teams are getting a little more desperate because. I mean, it is really jammed up there for the playoff race. Close to being in the, in the race. A lot of teams are just holding on. So um be very, very interesting the next couple of weeks to see who makes some more moves. I got to think Bentley Jacks has about 10 more trades at their sleeves before the end of this thing. Uh, they, <laughs> they, just love, they love the movement. But uh, before we let you go, we brought up uh, James Van Riemsdyk name and the who's not hot list. Uh, the Gators, we have yet to see a trade yet from them since the new ownership's taken over. Uh, they're a team who's, right, again, right there in that bottom, uh, you know, bottom five of the top 10. Uh, where are they looking? Have you had any contact with them and what their moves look like in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, Kyle, as far as the who's next on the trade watch, I think I turned my attention. I would go with the Gators, uh, mainly because Ryan Schmelzer came out uh, their general manager, who, as we know, is uh, the Utica Comets uh, captain in the American Hockey League, scored two goals, uh, including uh, the game winner yesterday. So congratulations to Ryan, who's having a, a real breakout season in his own right in the in the AHL and then working his way towards an NHL contract for, for next season or the near future. But uh, he's also busy in the UFHL as the general manager of the Gators. Uh, and, and he came on the, the UFHL trade block and said, everyone but Nathan McKinnon is available from the Gators. Well, that's a pretty big statement. He said that uh, last Tuesday or this past Tuesday on February 22nd. Uh, and you can imagine when somebody says something like that on the, the trade block, uh, his phone is blowing up. And again, he's busy in the real world. He's uh, out there scoring game-winning goals, uh, still working his way to the NHL. But in the UFHL, uh, I can guarantee his phone's blowing up with, with offers on Because, yeah, it's a really attractive roster. And to be honest, Kyle, if, if Nathan McKinnon was healthy all season, I think you'd see the Gators in that four to six range. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, Alec Martinez has been out long term. Uh, among other guys, they've had, you know, Tori Krug was out for a bit. You go up and down the roster, almost all their players have have been in and out of the lineup. They haven't been fully healthy yet uh, all season, the Gators. And and again, this is a roster that Matt Gunn, former general manager Matt Gunn, really built uh, throughout the offseason and up till December when the, the Conacher family, uh, headed up by Dave Conacher, uh, purchased the Gators. For a record-setting eighty thousand USD, uh, the biggest sale in, in UFHL history, uh, and Ryan Schmelzer sort of officially took over as GM uh, heading into the new year in January. Uh, his two brother-in-laws, uh, uh, Corey and Shane Conacher, are sort of assistant GMs, a, a three-man management group there, and they run all trades by each other. But uh, they've been eager. You had Ryan on on the show on UFHL now, and. Certainly, he said, you know, they, they want to make some moves. They want to really put their stamp on the roster, you know, put their fingerprints on it. And uh, with only three weeks exactly from today to the trade deadline, I think the, the clock is ticking. I'm sure they've went through uh, probably 100 different scenarios. I, the patient group reminds me of an NHL front office. They're, you know, they're not out there making 10 trades uh, a week. They're, they're really focused on the right trade and the right value for their franchise going forward because their first move's kind of a signature move, right? It's going to sort of, shape the direction they go and the, the one that they look back on is their first move they want it to be uh, a quality move and the right move but certainly you mentioned James Van Riemsdyk I think they'd like to move him uh, unfortunately for the Gators he has a seven million dollar contract still next season could Philadelphia buy him out potentially and then whoever 
acquires him, gets, you know, maybe he signs for $1 million somewhere else, like, like Evander Kane's situation. And then all of a sudden you have a really productive player for the value. But as long as he's $7 million, that's a, a tough piece to move because you look at the cap situations in the UFHL and a lot of franchises are close to the cap, a lot more close to the cap than, than not. And, uh, and a lot of the ones that have cap room have big contract extensions coming next season. So uh, the salary cap is such a big factor. But I look at their defense and I look at uh, the two St. Louis Blues in particular. They have Scott Prunovich coming up from the, the minors who's going to be a go-to guy for them on, on an entry-level contract from the Blues. But on their active roster, they have Tori Krug and they have Justin Falk, both in that six, six, seven, eight million dollar range. I think they'd like to move one of those guys. And again, the Gators are tight to the cap. They'd like to get some cap flexibility. So maybe a, a cheaper defender or maybe they go with a forward in return. But I think you could see Falk or Krug on the move. If not them, I look at Tyson Berry as well on the defense who uh, hasn't had as good of a season, obviously, as last year when he led all NHL defensemen in scoring. Uh, he's had a, a bit of a regression uh, this season. So I think Tyson Berry's name's out there as well as uh, Falk and, and Krug. And, and one of those three, I think, would be the one to move. And the reason I say this week potentially is uh, Alec Martinez is projected to return from LTIR on Friday. Uh, so they have another quality defenseman coming into that top four. Maybe now is the time they can get some cap flexibility. And I'm sure Ryan Schmelzer would have been in on the Alexander Holtz sweepstakes. I'm sure uh, those talks happen because he's a teammate of Alexander Holtz uh, with the Utica Comets in the AHL and sees uh, his goal scoring potential. Uh, maybe a bit surprised they didn't pull the trigger there and, and sweeten the pot enough to, to pry away Alexander Holtz. But certainly the, the Gators are a team that I'm keeping a, a close eye on. And I would be shocked if we don't have a, a Gators trade by March 21st by the deadline, because I just think between uh, Ryan Schmelzer and Corey and Shane Conacher, as well as Dave Conacher, they really want to make this team their own and, and start to give it their own identity. And what bigger way to do it than, than make some moves between now and the March 21st trade deadline. All right. Well, you heard her here first in the insider Gators going to make a move. You already got the stingrays and Yetis correct. A hundred percent next week. Basically they make the big moves. Now we'll keep an eye on the Gators, like you said, and uh, Holtz would be a nice pickup for them in the, as a, like a teammate in a first move, but uh, you see him go elsewhere. But yeah, we'll keep an eye on the Gators. And Larry, uh, before we let you go, anything else for this week? No, just uh, another exciting week. Uh, again, I think when the calendar turns tomorrow to March 1st, both in the UFHL and the NHL, uh, you realize you know today is exactly three weeks to the trade deadline, but tomorrow when everybody wakes up and sees March 1st and March 21st is looming, I think uh, the phones get busier, uh, and I think the NHL, we're going to start to see some movement in the NHL as well. And certainly anything that happens in the NHL, if Jeff Petrie gets moved or you know, a number of guys we've talked about, uh, JT Miller gets moved, those guys, that impacts the, the way they're viewed in the UFHL as well. And the, you could see some, some trickle-down effect where a guy moves in the NHL and somebody targets them in the UFHL, and, and they end up getting traded in both leagues before March 21st. We've seen that last season, and... I'm sure we'll see it again this season. So uh, an exciting few weeks ahead. Uh, can't wait to cover uh, the, the run-up to the March 21st trade deadline in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. Well, thanks so much, Larry. We'll catch up with you next week. Thank you for all your insight, as always. Uh, they kept you busy this week, 11 trades. We'll see how, see how many we get in the books next week. Sounds good, Kyle. Have a good one. All right, before we sign off for today, let's take you to the Twitter poll, which you can find on the UFHL now. Uh, Twitter account. This week's Twitter question is who will lead the NHL in power play goals for this season? Uh, are, if you, and again, if, if the four candidates are below, but if you don't believe it's going to be one of them, please comment and leave a writing candidate. But we have Chris Kreider, who we touched on before on the show from the Godfathers with 17 goals. 
Leon Dreisaitl, the Grizzlies, with 15. Austin Matthews, who's one of our players of the week from the Blades of Steel, that's with 12. And uh, David Pasternak of the Titans uh, with 12 there as well. So let us know who do you think is going to lead the league at the end of the year in power play goals. And, and if not, you know, if you think it's going to be Ovi or someone who's below the 12 number, uh, write that in there as your candidate. And uh, and we'll see. We make sure you go on the UFHL uh, now, UFHL uh, hockey Twitter account to go find that. And, and thank you for everyone for listening. We'll catch you next week. And uh, it should be another exciting week of UFHL hockey. 